Nomai, Harimai, Kitene, Hotaka. Welcome to the panel here on RNZ National. Lynn Freeman with you this week for Wallace Chapman, and with me today, Janet Wilson, a staff columnist who's also worked in PR, including a stint with the National Party. And Chris Clark, who's CEO of the Wilberforce Foundation, which supports more than 100 charities and social enterprises in Aotearoa, New Zealand. He's also the former CEO of World Vision. Kia ora, kōrō. Welcome, both of you. Kia ora, Lynn, and hello, Janet. Hi. Hi, Chris, and good to be on the programme. Well, lots to come in the next hour and a quarter. Between now and five, Guru Sharma has been expelled from the Labour caucus. What does life as an independent MP look like for him? We'll also head to an isolated bay in the Marlborough Sounds to talk to one of the resilient locals who know how to make do when food supplies are limited. Cans are a mainstay. What cans wouldn't you be without in your larder? Let us know, 2101. Uh, Mouldy homes, a huge issue here in New Zealand. There are health implications, and it's just plain nasty. If you have any ideas on how to rid houses of mould, let us know. Yesterday, you might remember, we were talking about people staying in the workforce long after retirement age. A listener in their mid-70s got in touch to tell us about securing a permanent job at 73. So you hear their story. And the fate of big matches being played at New Plymouth's much-loved cricket ground, Pukekura Park, hangs in the balance. We'll hear from one of its biggest fans, player, coach and administrator in Taranaki for more than 50 years, Alistair Jordan. And today's talking point is the future of the good old greeting card. You remember you used to spend time to choose just the right one with the perfect wording and then you'd handwrite a personal message and then you'd hand deliver the card or post it off. Are they going the way of the dodo in VHS tape? Let us know. Text 2101 or email the panel at rnz.co.nz. It's 13 minutes to four. Time to look at today's protest action. Well, the Backbencher pub decided to close today to protect their staff who were traumatised by the February protests at Parliament. They didn't want to become a target again. Well, today's protest at Parliament brought back many memories from the chaos from the February protests for all those living in the area. Today, though, it's been fairly controlled. And the protesters were supposed to be off Parliament grounds by now. We're crossing to our reporter, Jimmy Ellingham, who's right there to give us the latest. Kia ora, Jimmy. Good afternoon. Well, let's have a recap of the day, because you remember this morning the media were very excited about this. Lots of uh, crosses to the site, lots of preparations being made. How did the, the day pan out? Yeah, well, at the moment, I think the parliamentary lawn might be the quietest place in Wellington. There's probably about half a dozen people uh, on it uh, just walking through. But earlier in the day, it was full with perhaps more than a thousand people for the Freedom and Rights uh, March to Parliament that started in Wellington's Civic Square. They were met by a counter-protest of about 300 people, and there was lots of music, singing and dancing from them while they waited for the Freedom and Rights March to arrive. And when it did, there there was interaction between the two groups. There there, there was no abuse, there was no pushing or shoving, but uh, the certain groups and factions within those two marches or demonstrations were keen to get their view across to one another. The the Freedom and Rights Coalition march then ended up on the parliamentary uh, lawn. They couldn't get on the forecourt, which was blocked off through barricades. And there were a few speakers, including Brian and Hannah Tamaki. There was also a mock trial in which they put the New Zealand government uh, on trial for human rights uh, abuses that was found guilty. And by by two o'clock, it was all over and people dispersed quite quickly. 
I understand that people had come from far and wide to uh, attend the protest? That's right. I spoke to one man who'd actually come from Australia, all the way from Australia for it, but there were people who had flown from Auckland this morning, Tauranga, Christchurch. There were also lots of locals as well, and many who joined the, the convoy yesterday. Some from the South Islands weren't able to get here because of the ferry crossings uh, not happening, but, uh, but still a, a sizable turnout from people not from Wellington, as well as locals. Sizable turnout of uh, police too. Were they called into action at any time? Not really, no. When the Freedom and Rights Coalition march walked past the counter-demonstration, the police stayed between them just to make sure the two groups uh, didn't, didn't get too close. But apart from that, the police were bystanders, and there's still a few standing at the front of Parliament. I can see four at the moment, and uh, there's probably as many police as there are people on the lawn just about. Much interest from passers-by onlookers about this, because, again, the promises had been made that it would be uh, quite different to what happened in, in February and that has transpired but there was concern for sure that, That's right and lots of people did come and watch that the road around Parliament and Molesworth Street was blocked off to traffic so people could walk up and down and lots of people perhaps on their lunch break were there watching what was going on there were lots of people too uh, heading towards the, the train station uh, area and then stopping by and having a look so plenty of interest uh, from onlookers Any politicians? Show up? No, no politicians came down. The, the loudspeaker system that Brian Tamaki was using uh, was, was very loud and he called for them uh, to come down, but uh, none did come. However, at the counter demonstration, we saw some RNZ, saw some Green MPs, uh, Madama Davidson, Tuiano Tuiono, and uh, Chloe Schwarbrick, I believe, was seen there as well, but they did not come to the parliamentary lawn for the Freedom and Rights uh, march and protest. Uh, when Brian Tamaki took the microphone, what did he have to say? Well, he had, he had a lot to say. Um, talking, sort of calling back 18 years, he looked back at the Enough is Enough march, march from 2004 and said nothing had changed, but he also made an announcement of a new political party uh, called Freedoms New Zealand, which is a coalition of three parties, including Hannah Tamaki's Vision New Zealand, but Brian Tamaki said he will not be standing for election for that party. A little bit more about the mock trial. How did they, how did they um, carry that out, and what was the feeling of it? The mock trial was carried out. With, they sort of set up a, a, a mock courtroom, as it were, or at least a, a mock judge's bench. So a man came in with glasses on the end of his nose, uh, calling himself Justice Dread, and then he put New Zealand on trial. And they had three people who came up and said how vaccine mandates or restrictions had affected them or their livelihoods, their business and their families. And then after that, uh, the crowd that was gathered here were asked if they found the government guilty or not guilty. They were urged to yell out if they found it guilty, which I, I'd say pretty well 100% of them did. Stay with us, Jimmy. I'd like to find out what Chris and Janet make of this. Chris, your thoughts? Well, what I was thinking about was uh, what are they protesting for? And clearly protesting now to establish a political party. But if you follow this one through and say it's about freedom and it's about rights and that my rights dominate over societal rights, that invariably favours the powerful and invariably disadvantages those who actually rely on others to secure their freedom and rights. So, you know, it's no surprise to me that the LBGTQI communities come out with 
real concerns about the marches. I'm thinking about people with disabilities, thinking about religious minorities. That actually, freedom and rights work if you've got power and if you've got access to power. It doesn't tend to work if you don't. And that worries me in terms of what does it say about the New Zealand that they're seeking to promote in their new political party. Janet, you've covered a lot of protests in your 30 or so years as a reporter. What do you make of today's event? I mean, I wondered if it was a media beat-up. I found the fact that um, they've actually formed the Freedom New Zealand Party with Sue Gray's Outdoors Party of interest because I'm wondering, I think at the last poll, the Outdoors Party got 1% of the vote. Now, they could be getting... They're not within the um, 5% rate yet by a long way but by forming together they're going those fringe groups are going to be much stronger together and i i wouldn't describe them as a force to be reckoned with but one to watch and to see what happens in terms of the dislocation that we're experiencing um, around the country in terms of political views right now i did note that twitter has already mocked the mock court and <laughs> called it um uh, something like someone went on, some wag went on to Twitter and called it a very strange production of University Challenge, which I think was a good way of taking the mickey out of it in some way. Jimmy, just before we let you go, uh, you, you said that you were talking to someone who came from Australia over there. Do you get a sense that the, the protesters got what they wanted or was this more of a fizzer? Well, the protesters that I spoke to afterwards all said that from their point of view, it was a success and it was about getting their voice heard and just about being allowed to be here and protest. So they, the ones I spoke to at least, felt perfectly satisfied with the day. That's our RNZ reporter, Jimmy Ellingham, reporting from Parliament Grounds in Te Whanganui Ataro, Wellington. It is five to four on the panel. Well, Chris and Janet, time to reflect on what you've been thinking. Chris, I'll start with you. Well, this morning, uh, as the freedom and rights protesters were actually gearing up uh, for their protest, a friend and I were speaking at a group of Year 12 uh, girls at a school in Auckland, and we were talking about sort of strategies to address sort of global poverty, to improve health, to tackle inequality and so on. And it was just a huge privilege to be with them. And they talked to us about the opportunities that they'd been given and their sense of responsibility uh, because of the opportunities they had growing up in New Zealand to, to give something back to society. And so their questions to us were mostly around questions around, well, how do I make a difference in the world? How, how do I use the talents that I have and how do I use them for others? And their conversation wasn't about freedom and rights. Their conversation was about fairness and equity and responsibility. And it seems to me these Year 12 students were offering uh, one vision of New Zealand and then our freedom and rights protesters were offering another vision uh, for New Zealand and our place in the world. One is highly individualistic and I would argue quite corrosive and risks damaging the very people that we're seeking to defend, whereas the other vision is about building diverse societies and it's about discourse, about a wider responsibility than just to myself or my immediate family. And so Listening to it, I was sitting to myself thinking we've got these two competing visions of New Zealand society. I know the one I want to live in. And the great irony in all of this is that these young women are ineligible to vote. Yeah, that, that, that's been a, quite a big issue, hasn't it? And I think they've been very eloquent in their arguments. I mean, do you have thoughts on that, Janet? Yeah, I think that whole diversity um, issue is a very, very strong one that's running through the country at the moment. And it's running particularly strongly in, in many different ways but one of the ways that I'm seeing it is is in the young who I think are um, much more thoughtful aren't they about how they see their place in the world and how they want to contribute to that place in the world 
Um, that's a yeah. There are some excellent thoughts there, Chris. Indeed. And Jenna, I want to leave you some time for your IB thinking too. And this relates to today uh, and English on our screens. This is this feels like mm. such a backward step, right? Mm, mm. Well, it's a diversity issue, and, and what Chris said about diversity, I think, is is really appropriate. And I've, the, the, at the centre of this is Tiroheringa Brown, who is the currently covering the weekend weather report on One News while Renee Wright is on maternity leave. You may have seen her on your screen. She does a lot of te reo in her account. She does it very comfortably and with great um, aplomb. Um, but on the one News uh, Facebook page, she was met with what I call the usual response to this kind of development because, of course, RNZ's not been, um, uh, RNZ has had the same situation themselves. People have been complaining and they're saying that, um, you know, we don't want to hear this Maori on television. Well, in fact, it's a bit of a reminder, Tereo is an official language and has been for 35 years in this country. We are all through, we are all learning it in, in one way or another through um, broadcasting and uh, hearing it and reading it. And it's, it is a language that deserves to be recognised. For those who say it doesn't, they probably need to sit down and think about their part, their, who they are in Aotearoa and what they want to achieve, because it goes back to really what Chris is saying. Do we want a diverse community that reflects all of us and allows all of us to have a, have a space, or do we want to just hear the same old voices? Well, we, okay. hear, this, we hear the same thing. You know, if we dare to say Aotearoa instead of New Zealand, we will uh, not infrequently get um, text and pushback from that. So that's just so tiring yeah. that the attitudes aren't changing. Chris, we've got under a minute, but would you like to comment on that? Well, so just say, I think one of the encouraging things is I listen to my own uh, conversation and how I'm increasingly using Te Reo Māori words in, in, in my discourse. And this came to mind yeah. when I was speaking in something overseas recently, and I was having to sort of moderate back Te Reo Māori to actually find the English equivalent, because it's almost as if we're developing this new bilingual language, which I think is incredibly exciting. And, and the more yeah. that we hear people on, on television or on radio actually using the, both languages, uh, uh, you know, intermingling them, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's called proto-lexicon. Oh, I love the word. That's great. Learn something every day on the pre-panel. Thank you so much. Uh, Chris, Janet and I will rejoin you after the news, just seconds away here on RNZ National.